0: All right, so I know I seem so confident up here all the time, right? Um, I struggle with confidence sometimes, and right before service tonight, (laughs) I've been really trying to get into English football this year, and right before service, I posted on a Facebook group that I'm a part of, being like, can you guys be nice to me, but understand? Help me understand how this point system works for English football. And I, che- I went to the bathroom and I, che- I checked to see if I had any responses yet. And I had about 35 comments on my post. And half of them were like, you dumb American. <laughs> 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 so I'm brooding with confidence for tonight. So, <laughs> All right. So for those of you who don't know, we usually start with lyrics from a song. And these are your lyrics for tonight there's an orange-faced baby at the wheel of the ship he's doing donuts in the car park and we watch as it all falls apart and we idolize idiots we masturbate to their sex tapes we love them we hate them and we want to see them fall from grace we laugh at them disheveled on the front page of the mail and then we grab ourselves a pitchfork and go in for the kill Then we light vigils, eulogize them on the internet when they cut themselves because they couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, Sam Fender. Wow. Really uh, funny to really dark. All right. So isn't it interesting that when you're running late for something, everyone else seems to be driving too slow? (laughs) And when you're not late, everyone else seems to be driving too fast? So, I, I like driving a lot. Um, and one time I was asked to make a list of all these things that gave me energy and drained me of energy throughout the day. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed doing, one of the things I put on that list since I was 16, is being able to drive around with my, with my thoughts and just listen to music. Um, it's always felt like a therapeutic way for me to process my emotions. Uh, and during all that, one thing I've kind of come to despise is people who I deem to be bad drivers. So, um, through all this, my discernment of who's a bad driver has also started to apply to people who drive certain types of vehicles. (laughs) I've become a bit of a carist. and So I ascribe certain attributes to drivers based on the cars that they drive sometimes. For example, I hate pickup trucks. (laughs) I know, I don't know why. Well, actually I do know why I'm gonna tell you. Uh, For some reason, I feel like people who drive trucks feel as though they own the entire road And the speed limit is determined by them. It's always driven me crazy. And I think Elena's heard me complain about a 1,000 times of when we're out for a walk with the dog and a really loud pickup truck just blares by us, like, wow, Like you're compensating for something, aren't you? (laughs) So I say all that to say, when I got a new job last summer, one of the perks was that I got a company car to use and that car is a pickup truck. (laughs) So I I am now one of the pickup pickup drivers that I thought were all bad people and bad drivers. So I suddenly found myself in a very precarious situation of having to rationalize these two different perspectives. So on December 12th, I was uh, just getting out of a meeting at Starbucks, one of the ones on the east side of town. And the person I was meeting with uh, while we were talking, he had ordered a sandwich and a breakfast burrito. He didn't offer me either of them. (laughs) Uh, I hadn't eaten yet that day and I was watching him eat during our meeting, and I had this still, small voice in the back of my head that just kept whispering, um, burrito, (laughs) burrito, burritos. (laughs) So after our meeting, I drove to a Taco Bell up the street to get multiple burritos. I I was sitting in the drive-through line for like 10 minutes, and it didn't move once there was like four cars ahead of me was sitting there for 10 minutes and a single car didn't move. So it was enough time for the less self indulgent part of myself to talk sense into the rest of me that maybe Taco Bell wasn't going to be the healthiest choice. And so I turned around, I pulled out of the, the drive through line and I started to drive home. So I was pulling out of the parking lot and my phone rang. It was Elena. And I immediately got nervous when I saw the phone number come up because Elena does not usually call me during the day. Um, we are a, we're a texting family. <laughs> 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 and so I'd say like 95% of our communication is through text. And if we call each other, it's because we need to know something immediately usually. Um, so I answer the phone, and all I heard was crying and screaming So I I heard so much fear in her voice, and all I could hear was she just kept repeating out loud over and over, I need help, I need help. And she asked me, "Where, where are you? And if I could come home, and that's all I could hear coming out of her mouth between her crying and screaming. So I had no idea yet what was wrong, and I asked her what happened, and I tried to calm her down so I could understand what was going on. The only words that she could get out were, I fell, and there's blood everywhere. Can you please come home? Where are you? So I tried to get more information uh, from her, but our signal, thank you, Cricket, kept breaking up. <laughs> and so I was, she was cutting in and out. So eventually she just hung up because we couldn't hear each other and she needed to tend to herself. So I had no idea what was happening, and immediately my mind went, you know, to like the worst possible scenarios is her femur coming through her leg at the bottom of the steps and she's bleeding out. And nobody's around to help her. Like all these different things. So I was, I went back and forth of, do I call 911? And this is all as I'm driving home. And I was like, well, I'm going to make it home before they'd ever get there. And I don't know what's going on for sure yet. So I put my foot to the floor on the gas pedal uh, I was going doing 65 miles per hour down College Avenue uh, in a pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> so I had zero concern about getting pulled over. I remember thinking if I saw a cop and I was like, if he wants to pull me over, he can follow me home and chase me inside and then we can deal with it then. Because I was just going to keep driving. Uh, and then it hit me as I was having all these thoughts about Elena, and getting home, uh, I realized that to anyone else around me on the road, I was now that pickup truck driver to them uh, that I personally would always roll my eyes at. So I realized as I was driving that if I was somebody else watching me barrel down College Avenue, speeding as bad as I was, it would have just cemented in my mind that I was right about how I felt, about people who drove pickup trucks so I had two choices at this point I could rationalize why my situation was completely different from other bad drivers uh, that I had mumbled curse words at under my breath or I could admit that it's possible that they had a really good reason for driving the way that they were driving maybe those people were going through a situation like mine or maybe something worse So I realized at that moment that I had not been extending the same amount of mercy to these people that I would want them to extend to me. And I'm not lying. I literally had this thought while I'm driving and having all these other thoughts. I'm like, oh, I'm that guy right now. (laughs) Um, So I am am so often ready to immediately judge and label people as bad drivers or other things uh, when I often do a lot of those same bad driving habits myself. So to conclude that part of the story, just so we all know, Elaine fine. She's right here in the back. Um, she didn't bleed out in the hallway. Uh, so she had she she called me back right before I got home. She was calmer. She was able to explain what happened. That she had felt it hit her, hit her head, but she wasn't going to die. We just needed to get her to the hospital, and we got all that taken care of. It was awesome. It was a bad experience, but it was everything went smoothly. So. I know that a story about driving and mercy and being merciful towards other people because you can be a bad driver sometimes isn't exactly life-changing information. But I think when we put that principle on other things, it can become that. So I remember attending church as a teenager at a small Baptist church. Um, I'd go to the youth groups there a lot on Wednesdays with my other friends. Um, And I remember the youth pastor at that church giving these really intense fire and brimstone kind of teachings to our small group of teenagers that came on Wednesday nights. Um, He was much more intimidating and black and white on issues of God in our lives than a lot of other churches I'd went to. And I remember hearing a few years later from a friend that was still going to that church that that same youth pastor had been caught looking at porn on his computer in his office uh, at church, and talking sexually with women over the internet that were not his wife in his office at church. And I don't remember, so I don't know for sure how this happened, so I'm going to say it could have been either of these two things. If he was fired immediately or if he stepped down from his position at church, I'm not sure, but I know he was out of his, he lost his position at church. And looking back now and even then, I very much wonder if leaving his position immediately was the right thing to do. I remember thinking about how I had done many of the things that he was being accused of doing. And I remember thinking deep down that I wouldn't be very surprised if many of the people in that church were doing the same things as well. If we are all recognizing that we are all sinners, that God knew everything we were ever going to do, and he had already forgiven us for it, which were doctrines that I was taught at that church, then why did this man have to leave if he was taking steps to turn away from his bad behavior? Was he not sinning in other areas of life the whole time he was a youth pastor? Um, So I understand that for safety of others, there are certain standards applied to leadership that are not applied to people under that leadership. God holds teachers to a higher standard, I believe. Uh, what I didn't understand was why someone was being shunned by their community for sinning. It was like we as humans got to decide where the line was for what was too much, for what was too wrong of a thing, and cut those people off. So we got to be the ones to decide what was too horrible that someone couldn't be forgiven for, at least in our eyes. Uh, It was like we were making ourselves gods. I looked at this, and I was like, who are these people to be the ultimate judge of this, Um, of ultimate judges of right and wrong? So I also see this all the time in society as well from people who don't claim to be Christians. It's called cancel culture. So people do something wrong, and when society deems it bad enough, those people... Lives are torn apart, no matter what they do to make up for it. It's one and done. So from my experience, the people who are often quickest to make those ultimate final judgments on other people are oftentimes the people who have the most to hide themselves. So now, believe it or not, I'm not perfect. I know. (laughs) What is is that you? (laughs) Elena, who said that? (laughs) But, (laughs) but. Um, So I've done horrible things in my life, and I know I will do horrible things in my life in the future. If I want people to be understanding when I make mistakes and give me the time to correct those mistakes, then I know it would be wrong of me to not grant that same benefit to other people. I have come to call that thing mercy what I just described. Am I going to give people time to make the wrong things they have done right again? If not, then I am telling myself and everyone around me that whenever I make a mistake, they have permission to immediately judge me as a person, as who I am, and put a label on me. If I'm not okay with that, then I'm going to get depressed because some part of me knows that I'm holding other people to a higher standard than I'm holding myself to. And that is a contradiction. So there will be a part of me that's gonna feel unsettled because I am being hypocritical. And that part of me is going to feel more and more unsettled until I remove that contradiction. So if I would have been barreling down College Avenue at 65, had the thought of oh, man, I must look like to other people what drives me nuts when I see other people in cars driving what I consider way too quick. And I would have taken that thought and went, but I'm in an emergency situation. I bet you any money those people aren't. Instead of going, maybe they're in the same situation as bad, I'm going to feel massively unsettled. And if I do that in enough areas in my life over and over again i'm going to feel depressed so this is the mentality i've seen run rampant in the churches that i went to growing up like i just described i believe this is the perspective that causes people to do everything that they can do to appear flawless on the outside so that others don't judge them for the wrong things that they are going on, that they have going on in their lives when i see people who do their best to look perfect and like nothing's wrong, and they're so afraid of admitting to wrong things they have going on in their lives or things they're struggling with, I'm like, wow, I've I got a good feeling that person's not extending a whole lot of mercy to other people if they're t- doing that to themselves. Um, so... This is one of the reasons that when I went to church, I felt like so many people in church were fake because unfortunately, what I experienced in church, like the story I just told, was there wasn't a whole lot of mercy extended to people the way it ought to have been. So I'm going to reread what Pastor Patty um, read before the verse, Matthew 5, 1 through 7. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, for they will be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If I'm not showing people mercy, and if I'm not giving people the opportunity and time to make things right when they do something wrong, then I do not deserve that same benefit from others. I won't be shown mercy by God that I'm not showing to other people. It would not be fair of him to do that, and it wouldn't be right or just of him to do so. So in closing, before Pastor Patty comes up to close us in prayer, And before we go into worship, I want to give you guys something to think about and reflect on and go to God with. Um, This is your question for this week. It's who is someone you are holding to a higher standard than you are holding yourself to, and what do you want to do about that?